Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another segment of the Cisco and Falzon Hour Broadcast Politics. Another great show tonight. We have Gavin Rollins, who's running for Congress in uh, 3rd District in Clay County, Florida. He is looking to replace Ted Yoho, who's retiring after four terms. So Gavin will be coming on in a couple minutes. But in the meantime, I just wanted to touch base on so many things that have happened in the last week. We went from seven candidates to now two. First, Tom Steyer dropped out. You know, the billionaire, Tom Steyer. The anti-coal stand, uh, Tom Steyer, who never went anywhere. He spent a lot of money, but his run for the president presidential race, I mean, involving the presidential race was a failure. Then we have Mayor Pete, mayor of South Bend, Indiana, who looked like he had a potential to be the nominee for the Democratic Party, but he never went anywhere. A lot of talk, but he just didn't catch on with the majority of the American people. Then we had Amy, Amy Novelik, senator from the state of, of Minnesota. Another one. A lot, of, a lot of talk did not catch on with the American people. Then we had Mr. Mike Bloomberg, Mini Mike. Mini Mike, with all his billions, spent so much money. But I think what, what really damaged his uh, run for the presidency was stop and frisk in New York City which basically just did him in. Um, <laughs> and, and, and the fact that he spent almost half a billion, and the only thing that he has to show for is six delegates from the American Samoa. How comical it is. Well, I think Karma paid a visit to Mr. Bloomberg for what he has done as a politician. So... So now we're down to two candidates, official candidates. Mr. Creepy Joe Biden and socialist Bernie Sanders. So at this time, I'm saying to myself and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, 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 I'm trying to analyze this in regards to who do they choose? Joe Biden seems to be the establishment. The, the Obamas and the Clintons and the, uh, and the mainstream Democrats will support Joe Biden. Bernie, on the other hand, he doesn't have the support of the establishment because he's a socialist, but he's actually a Democrat and a socialist. But the Democratic Party does not want to be labeled to be the party of the socialists. So for the second time, and this is my prediction, for the second time in, in less than five years, Bernie Sanders will be totally screwed by his own party, the Democratic Party. Joe Biden will be the nominee. Creepy Joe. 
Sleepy Joe. You know, it's, 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 I mean, this is the best that the Democratic Party has to offer. It hasn't, you know, the, the John F. Kennedys of the world are no longer around in the Democratic Party. Now we have Creepy Joe and Bernie Socialist Sanders heading the party. I mean, they're going into the convention, and I think it's going to be a broker convention. Um, and they're going to, you know, the super delegates are going to be able to really, really, uh, will make, will make the decision. The democratic party is not going to allow Bernie Sanders to be their nominee. And my prediction is as it was in 2016, they're going to screw Bernie Sanders and creepy Joe will be the nominee. Well, we have a potential superstar, Mr. Gavin Rollins, who's running for Congress. Welcome, Gavin. Well, Hello? thanks for having me. It's good to be on. <laughs> hey, uh, it's good to be on the show. Oh, we're happy to have you. Definitely. Uh, I've been um, really uh, looking forward to um, this interview. I think um, based on being a, a war hero and, and serving our country and a veteran of the global war on terrorism, you're, you're definitely what a congressman should be in, in Washington. So um, we're looking forward to uh, seeing you uh, come November when you win the third well, district. Thank you. I appreciate in, in, that. So tell, us, tell our, our audience a bit more about you. How about yourself? Well, I'm, uh, I live in Keystone Heights, Florida, so that's in between uh, Gainesville and Jacksonville, and I'm running for Congress in the 3rd Congressional District. So Congressman Ted Yoho is retiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, he served for eight years and, and did a great job, and he's, he's retiring, coming home, and so it's an open seat to replace him. And I um, serve on the Clay County Commission. I'm in my second term on the Clay County Commission, and then I'm also a history teacher, um, American history specifically. So I love being able to share with students the, the greatness of our country and some of the concepts and foundations that have made us great. And then also the challenges of, of socialism and some of the ideas out that are floating out there that are just really bad and that history has proven to, to be terrible ideas. And then I'm also, um, as you mentioned, a captain in the Florida Army National Guard and in 2016-17, I was deployed to a combat zone in East Africa, and I actually mm. served under President Trump. He was my commander-in-chief, and what a difference that when he took over as commander-in-chief, I actually was there during the transition period. My first vote for President Trump was in a combat zone, and then <laughs> I got to serve under him as commander-in-chief, and he truly took the gloves off and allowed us to, to go after um, terrorist groups and organizations and allowed commanders at the local level to make decisions in a way that freed us up to really go after these groups. And I, I don't think he receives enough credit for that. I think right. him defeating ISIS was a, a huge accomplishment, but of course the fake news doesn't want to give him credit for that. But and, and Or they claim, oh, it would have happened anyways. But the reality is he, as commander-in-chief, empowered local commanders and said, hey, war is never fun. Let's just get this job done and, and uh, exactly. bring our troops home. 
Well, thank you for your service. I mean, outstanding services that you have provided and given to the, to our country, and uh, I, we appreciate that every day. You are a true hero, and um, I think um, come November, uh, the folks in in Clay County will recognize that and and um, elect you to uh, replace um, Congressman Ted Yoho. Well, that's uh, what I'm certainly working hard to, to earn votes, one vote at a time, and taking nothing for granted. And that's what's great about America is, uh, as we saw recently, you can't buy an election. It's uh, Bloomberg tried and, and failed, and these elections come down to voters getting to decide who they think Definitely. is best to represent them. Definitely. I mean, I, 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 that was part of my monologue uh, on, on Mr. Bloomberg. I mean, he he, he, he 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 received for half a billion dollars six delegates from the American Samoa. That's pretty embarrassing. I don't think uh, Mr. Bloomberg will be running any any more campaigns in the near future. That's, hey, I guess the good news is he helped stimulate the um, campaign consultant class part element of that, the economy. So. <laughs> that is that is true. Now your your race is basically very competitive. There's six Republicans and two Democrats. Uh, so let's, if we can go on, what, what seems to be the difference between you and the, and the other six, uh, other five Republicans? And, and, of course, I know the difference between you and, and the Democrats, but within the Republican Party uh, who are competing for Ted Yoho's uh, seat, what's the difference between each of them, between each Good, good question. Well, I'm the only currently serving uh, member of the military uh, as a as a captain. I actually have drill this weekend, so I'll be out at uh, Camp Blanding putting on the uniform and, and training. Um, but so th- that's, I think, one distinction in having fought under President Trump um, in, overseas. And then also a record of, of conservative leadership. I'm definitely not a career politician. I've been a teacher and a military officer, but I do have a record in elected office as a county commissioner fighting to make Clay County a Second Amendment sanctuary, leading the effort to term limit politicians. We have a charter in our county, and so it's sort of like a mini constitution. And I fought to to term limit constitutional officers to 12 years in office. And Mm -hmm. uh, previously we had people who had served longer than I had been alive um, in some of the offices. And so we we did term limits, and I led that effort. and that uh, it passed three to two and the commission went on the ballot and then the voters, as they always do, overwhelmingly approved it. So a record of conservative leadership and then fighting to keep taxes low and reduce government. That's something I'm really passionate about. I think we talk about fighting socialism and really what socialism is, is big government and mm-hmm. a government that wants to be involved in every aspect of everyone's life. And everywhere I go, people go, the federal government's too complicated it's too big, and it's way too involved in every aspect of my life. So simplify it, reduce it, get it out of my life. Well, so I think I, that's I, the I, real I, difference is I have a proven track record. And I, I also to... have been willing to take stances on issues. A lot of the other candidates in the race, they want to just say general things like, I support our president, or I like the Second Amendment, but they're not willing to give details. And I'm willing to stand on, on nuanced details for instance, with the Second Amendment, I'm against red flag laws. I think exactly. the age should be 18 across the board because if they're old enough to die for our country, they should be old enough to buy, um, legally purchase a, a firearm. 
And so across the spectrum, I, I have specific policies on issues and have been willing to take the term limits pledge, um, term limits USA, sign the pledge to support a constitutional amendment for term limits. I've been willing to sign the fair tax pledge. Down the, down the line, I'm willing to take policy stances because I think people should know who their member of Congress is going to be. I don't think it should just be some vague idea of like, I'll work real hard. It should be, where, where are you going to be on the issues? Are you going to fight for a balanced budget amendment? Are you going to be a fiscal conservative? Are you going to stand with our president? Yeah, one of, one of the things that really irks me totally is the fact that when you say, well, you're, I'm a Republican, and then you vote as a Democrat, the rhino effect. Absolutely. And, yeah, and, and I think voters need to really look at each candidate and say, okay, this, this individual, he's been voting, he's, he, he went for and, 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 and initiated and approved the approved, uh, term limits within the county commission or, uh, of Clay County. Someone who's a real conservative, not someone who pretends and then goes exactly. into Congress and votes with the opposition, which is basically, uh, again, a rhino, and, and we don't need... Or even to, goes into Congress, and they might vote the right way some of the time, but they're just kind of there. They just hang out, and they collect a paycheck, and they, they view it as a country club, and now I'm a member of Congress. I get a pen. I'm cool. I, my, I, I don't necessarily – I think D.C. has some, some good qualities in terms of its history and it's our nation's capital, but I'm right. not a huge fan of D.C. I'm a small-town guy. I, I right. love where I live. I love the community I'm in. I'm willing to go to D.C. as almost a, a deployment because D.C. is really a war zone, and we yeah. need to send soldiers there to fight alongside our president. So I view it as a deployment, not as a – a career path or a place to, to hang out forever, but as a opportunity to do battle for our values, the things that we cherish as a country, and then mm -hmm. come home and, and uh, live my life. And, and that's, what's great about America. I just watched a, a series on George Washington and what was so um, amazing about George Washington is here's a guy who could have had all the power he wanted, but he gave up power and went home to his farm. And what a remarkable legacy that left. You're correct. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, I believe that most pol uh, there's a tendency within politicians in Washington to just be, get complacent and, and, and feel like, OK, you know what? They're going to reelect me anyway. Uh, and, and we got to we got to send a strong message, especially in the, in the conservative Republican uh, Party, that we cannot send individuals to Washington, D.C. that are just going to be complacent and work for special interests. They have to work for the people. And, and I, I, I like, I, I, I like your, your, your background, your, what you've done. And I think you, you would fit, you would be the contrast to the AOCs of the world in DC. Well, that's the goal. And, and I'm a millennial, I'm 33 years old, uh, but I do have some experience, but I also want to, like you're saying, that's a great point, be a contrast. So here's somebody who's a bartender and now is trying to to lecture the rest of us. But where did she serve? Did she serve in the community to try to make it a better place? Did she serve, you know, I've been in the classroom teaching kids about right. um, trying to train up the next generation and fought overseas, fought on the county commission. I think we need uh, a generation who remembers what it means to serve. And, 
it doesn't only only mean election overseas. I'm, I'm not saying everyone has to serve in our military, although obviously veterans, that's one way to serve. But I, I would urge my fellow young people, get involved, make a difference and start serving. And because a lot of people, a lot of my generation, they want to comment on Facebook or they want to uh, be a part of criticizing, but they don't want to jump in, roll up their sleeves and serve and make it make a difference where they're at. And I wish uh, AOC would have done that <laughs> instead of just running for Congress and trying to lecture the rest of us on how we should live our life. Well, that that's typical of the left. They they like to lecture us, but you know they don't they don't take care of their own business. You know <laughs> that's that that's what I've learned in regards to um, dealing with the Democrats. Now, in regards to uh, you mentioned sanctuary cities. You know we had the uh, the the whole event in, in Virginia with the Second Amendment. Yeah. Uh, the governor. Uh, Second Amendment sanctuaries, just to clarify, not not a uh, for illegal immigrants. Oh, yeah. So. No, no, no. And as a matter of fact, we are using their medicine on them now because they use exactly. the sanctuary. So it's perfect. But uh, Virginia has a socialist left wing uh, governor. But Ron DeSantis in Florida is on board with the, with the Second Amendment, isn't he? He is. Absolutely. And in fact, we had a liberal state senator who was a Republican, but was trying to pass additional restrictions on the second amendment and the governor said hey i would veto this and it killed the effort which was good but that's why i think what's neat about the second amendment sanctuary movement is it's local groups standing up and sending a signal to tallahassee and dc that hey it's not on our watch and shall not be infringed is pretty clear and it's not just about wanting to own a gun it's about protection and it's also Mm -hmm. about um having a safeguard against government power. And as a history teacher, I've studied war and conflict and, and all the people who've been killed in all the wars in the 20th century, the thing that was still the most violent was government killing its own people. Hundreds of millions of people were killed by their own governments in the 20th century, far more than in any war, whether it was Mao in Russia, in uh, China, or whether it was Stalin in Russia, Pol Pot, um, African dictators, a variety of people throughout the world have slaughtered their own people for political purposes. And the first thing they do is try to disarm the public. And so when conservatives say we're nervous about big government and liberals laugh at us, we have a, have history on our side. We have statistics on our side that government, it can be a very dangerous thing if it gets too powerful. Well, you know what? One of the things I love about uh, president Trump is that he doesn't really care if the Democrats laugh at him, you know, and that's True. what we need. True. We need, we need conservative Republicans that actually don't really care what the left says about them. Okay. We cannot basically comply with the Democrats. So if you, if you go to Washington, you gotta be bold. Uh, exactly. Otherwise stay home. I don't really want you in DC. You're not of no use to, to the American people. Um, so that's great that Ron, Governor DeSantis, because Virginia, the governor, is totally for. And then you have to keep on top of this because, you know, Bloomberg, is, with his um, with his money, his anti-gun uh, mission, he's going to keep continue to pour money into these states. And, and, and we have to continue to elect 
governors like Ron DeSantis that that are going to be for the Second Amendment. Otherwise, our country will be in trouble. Um, if you were to Absolutely. say any anything in regards to Ted Yoho, is he like a mentor to you in regards to you know? He, um, so, yeah, he he. I have gotten to know him through the years and have an enormous amount of respect for him. He was um had no elected experience before he ran and and was a large animal vet ran and defeated mm-hmm. a 22 year incumbent and so pretty neat what he was able to do in a race that no one gave him a chance and he just said hey I'm going to run and be who I am and work hard and um, he was able to get in there and he backed party leadership he was able to help uh, kind of John Boehner out and. Um, usher in some more conservatives who's a member of the freedom caucus and right has has done a great job and i um i'm honored to have he congressman yoho is officially staying neutral in terms of his endorsement in the race but said some kind things when i got in the race and then his son has endorsed me and then his daughter has also endorsed me so i'm um, honored to have support from both of his adult children fantastic i, I think one of the things that I, I was impressed with congressman yoho it's uh his focus on it, he initiated a bill, which uh, I want to hopefully get him on the show, uh, in regards to human trafficking. Human trafficking is a huge problem in, in our country, in Florida, Absolutely. in every part of it. Uh, what, what type of, um, what, what, what's your perspective on, on, on this big issue that we're facing, not just in our country, on a global scale, human trafficking? It's sad. I mean, it's obviously it's modern day slavery and there's a it's a complex issue and there's a number of, of efforts that but I think it's um, we obviously partnering with law enforcement. Part of it's an education piece. And then part of it is the immigration piece. We, we can't um, we have to be clear about it when when people are allowed to come into the country illegally and we have an open border. It does. um facilitate human trafficking and, and we've seen this and so i think there's multiple elements to it but yeah i certainly applaud congressman yoho's efforts on that and and so many other issues okay um in regards to our current situation with um you know we have china iran the russians uh you know What's your your take in, in regards to how how do we deal with some of these powerhouses, uh, well China and Russia, in regards to the way President Trump has been handling them? You know, in regards to the. Well, I think the, he's the, been doing uh, a great job with standing mm-hmm. up to China and making sure, from an economic standpoint, that China can't dominate. That's one piece of it. Another piece of it, cybersecurity. We have to have a proactive, mm-hmm. aggressive cybersecurity strategy because China is, that's a big piece of where they're attacking us. Having a strong military, I'm in favor of a strong military rarely used. This idea of peace through strength that Reagan talked about and Trump has right. reinstilled. And that's what you saw with the um, killing of the Iranian general Suleimani is mm-hmm. that he actually prevented a war. I think we would have been more likely to go to war with Iran had President Trump not done that. And what he did is he showed the, the Iranians that he was serious. He reinstilled, reinstilled this idea of deterrence. And had people stood up to Hitler, 
when he was trying to take over countries in the beginning, instead of just appeasing him and allowing him to continue to gain power, I think we could have prevented World War II. And that's what Trump has done. He's been strong and people know he's serious. He's not going to mess around. But he also hasn't committed large numbers of troops to foreign conflicts. And that's something I think we have to be very cautious of. And if I have the honor of representing um, the 3rd Congressional District in Congress, I'll understand what it means if I ever have to take a vote to send troops into conflict and to a war. And I'll only do so if there's a very, very clear objective, a very clear exit strategy, and a way to win. And the American people are under imminent threat. Um, that's kind of the, the criteria I would use on how to decide if we were going to war. And then obviously I would support our commander in chief and, and unite behind him to, to make sure that we keep our country safe. Definitely. I totally agree. I mean, I think uh, President Trump has actually demonstrated to the whole world that we are we're not playing around any any longer. During the Obama era, they took advantage of us. Obama was bowing to everyone. Well, you know, as as a fellow New Yorker, just like President Trump, we're not taking it anymore. And um, exactly. So I, I'm very, yeah, like I'm, I'm very, pr- the, uh, we're not going to take it. Didn't he play that as campaign rally? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's really, um, it's such a, a joy to have him as, as our president. And, 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 and I think in the second term, he's going to show a lot more because he's been really handicapped during this whole process of impeachment. There was, you know, a scam by the Democrats, I think he, you know, he overcame, overcame the whole process, and 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 I think he's going to be sailing onto the second term, and uh, because we we definitely need to to retake uh, the House, and and uh, and like Absolutely. I said, I see I, I see you I see you there I see you there, in in the House uh, with our, our new I see a red uh, wave coming. Uh, uh, yes. Of- retaking the house president trump getting reelected people are just mm-hmm. they're tired of i mean look at the choices they have a, a communist bernie sanders who's 100 <laughs> years old and then you have sleepy joe who can't remember where he is or who he is half the time and sleepy slash creepy joe and that it's, it's really remarkable that that's the best the democrats can field and i just think that both of them are gonna either whoever the nominee is is going to get destroyed Oh, he, they will. Um, now, Clay County, how, how is it a conservative? The majority uh, is a conservative base in in Clay, in Clay County, a majority, so or the, is the it commission split? or the uh, congressional district is actually six counties. So it's Clay County, it's Alachua County, home to the University of Florida. Um, okay. You have Marion County, which is a lot of horse farms, Ocala, uh, a lot of Kentucky Derby winners have come from oh, okay. the Ocala Marion County area. And then you have uh, Putnam County, which the St. John's River runs through uh, Putnam County and um, Clay and Putnam counties. And then you have uh, Lake Butler and Stark, which are in Union and Bradford counties um, to the north. And so it's uh, in Alachua County, obviously the home of the University of Florida. So it's a, a diverse region with a couple cities in it, but then a lot of rural farming areas and a lot of veterans and just good, hardworking people and uh, it's a wonderful district. Hope you have a chance to come visit at some point. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I've traveled. 
I have family in in certain parts of of uh, Central Florida and South Florida that um, I would love to, and uh, especially uh, yeah, we're about an hour and a half north of Orlando. Okay, yeah, definitely. If you, you're there in D.C., I'll, I'll be coming down to see you. Um, economics, the economic situation. Uh, Donald Trump lowers unemployment records, uh, booming economic uh, stock market. Uh, I mean, everything has everything that he promised has happened. Uh, where do you see uh, in regards to your economic economic vision for your you know for the for the country as as serving in Congress? Well, we've got to keep taxes low and and basically continue to take. I say take a machete to all the red tape. I was meeting with some business owners the other day, and they were saying, we hate all this red tape. It seems like every time we turn around, there's a new government regulation on something. And some of it might be well-intentioned, but it, it doesn't – government's not the solution. It's the problem, as Reagan once said. And it, it's uh, So what I would do is continue to lift a lot of the regulations and red tape that keeps businesses from being able to start that's one thing, keeping taxes low, and then continuing to support a strong energy sector. That has helped us not only as an economy, but also when our, with our foreign policy. No longer do we right. have to be as concerned about the Middle East because we have our own domestic, uh, within our country, supplies of energy. And so in our area, liquefied natural gas is a big thing. And um, I would assume where you're at, too, it, it's a the energy sector is a key piece of the economy. So keeping that strong and allowing uh, our country to take advantage of its natural resources in a way that's sustainable is the key. And so I think if we continue to do that, we'll, we'll just continue to thrive as an economy and continue to see a booming economy. Are you, what's your take on, on, on a flat tax? I'm in favor of either a flat tax or the fair tax. I uh, signed the fair tax pledge and plan okay. to co-sponsor um, the fair tax act, which would get rid of the IRS and, and be a simplified way of handling it. I, you know, we all are dreading April 15th when we have to basically um, give our lives over to the IRS and let them control every aspect of what we do and our money and the whole thing. And the fair tax would, simplify that and I think would be a further boom to the economy and it would it would take away a lot of government's control over people's lives which is another bonus return freedom and financial stability to the American people well I'll tell you something once you're there and you propose that and you initiate that you're gonna, you're gonna make a lot of enemies right away which is good <laughs> that means yeah. you're doing your job well <laughs> I'm not going to D.C. for them to like me. Uh, the exactly. people who I care most about, uh, my family and friends here locally, they know who I am. And if, if I'm not the most popular guy in D.C., that's fine with me. I've, I've, uh, I can live with that. That's why I view it as a deployment. And when I deployed to East Africa, it wasn't always fun, but I was willing to do so. And uh, But home was always here. Right. Well, again, like I, I had mentioned to you, Gavin, before, you know, I don't want my congressman or my senator to be going to D.C. to feel like, oh, they ha I have to do things so they can like me. No. For that, stay home. I want someone who's going to be bold and, and, and doesn't really give a damn about what, what the Democrats think about him. 
like President exactly. Trump. Exactly. You know, he just so, um, but that's good. And uh, in, in regards to the um, the wages, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of politicians basically will say, well, we want we should give fifteen dollars, twenty dollars, and and that it has shown that a lot of that has not been the solution to generating and, and bringing individuals from poverty. And I've always said that the way you can help individuals who are not making a lot of money is to reduce their taxes. How, exactly. how would you go about and it? When the economy's booming, wages go up because businesses have to pay more to get, get employees. And right now, a lot of companies, especially in the construction sector, we see that in Florida, it's tough for people to find anyone willing to work hard and, and, and come. And so they pay pretty high wages. And that's a much better approach than just artificially raising the minimum wage. Because when you do that, what you do is you actually increase automation. And so we've seen this at Walmart. We've seen this at McDonald's. We've seen this uh, at Amazon. Across the board, automation has increased because especially when they require minimum wage a certain cost, it's easier to just use robots and that type of thing. And so that's a, a big concern with the minimum wages, automation increases, and then people hire less when they have to pay such high minimum wages. And minimum wage or these minimum wage jobs were never intended to be the um, way to make a living. They're, they're an entry-level position, but that's why we need strong colleges and universities and tech programs because I'll tell you this, my plumber makes a lot more than I do. And I, I have a master's degree, but he, he makes more than I do because he's willing to work hard. He started a business, and he knows how to do something not a lot of people do. Oh, yeah. That's what I keep telling my my son who has a, a bachelor. He just got his bachelor's degree. Uh, you should have gone into a vocational school. <laughs> Those guys, <laughs> they, they make a lot yeah. more money. But um, what's... What's your take on, on campaign finance reform? Um, there's been a lot of discussion that, you know, there's too much money in politics. You know, the, we just saw with um, Mike Bloomberg, half a billion dollars, you know, buying off people. You know, he even bragged that, oh, I, you know, the reason the Democrats have the House is because, you know, I, I elected, I poured money into 23 districts, and that's the reason Nancy Pelosi is the uh, Speaker of the House. Uh, so in regards to campaign finance reform, is there really a way that that the level of uh, money in politics can ever be constrained? It's a good question. I, I think money will always play some factor in it because part of it, you know, the Supreme Court has ruled as free speech. And it's unfortunate. I mean, that's... Uh, my least favorite part of campaigning is having a call and, and uh, ask people for money. But I think message still wins. Trump spent so much less than uh, Hillary Clinton did and still was able to win. And so people are – the neat thing about the modern modern technology, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or YouTube, um, news can travel a lot faster than it used to. And so message really, really matters and is, resonates with people and – um, I think what I would say is when you're looking at a, a candidate, um, it's it's generally good to look at a candidate who, um, you know, look look to their message, not just the person who is on 
think you saw that with the Democratic primary, and then you also see that with the Republican Party primary. And a lot of times people who put a lot of money into races don't win. I mean, uh, Congressman Crenshaw uh, was outspent. Uh, a lady who ran against him spent $6 million in his race, and he still won because he just went out there and worked hard and met the voters and earned votes one vote at a time. So money definitely plays a part, and it's unfortunate I wish it didn't. I don't know how you legislate that out of the process, but I think that that in America, voters still get to decide, and so that's that's the encouraging piece of it. No, I agree. I mean, uh, I, I I ran for office and knocking on doors and asking for money. It was not. I mean, asking for money was not something that I really enjoyed either. <laughs> um, but you know, it's something that if you want to run for office that, you know, you have to do uh, at least for that, for that time. Exactly. Uh, so well, good on in you rego- for jumping in and being willing to put your name in the ring. Yeah. Uh, Never I, easy. I, I lost by 20,000 points. I got 60,000 votes, but uh, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was enjoyable. I, I learned a lot. Now retaking Congress um, I think it's so critical for 2020, not just reelecting President Trump, but retaking Congress. Because if we don't retake Congress, going to be the same case in regards to uh, legislation. Congress blocking a lot of the the, the new uh, new initiatives that President Trump would um, go for. Uh, how how focused do you think a lot of the uh, in the state of Florida a lot of the candidates who are running for office who are Republicans are are taking well, the, I think, the I think we have a pretty good seriously. shot because in 2018 you had um, there wasn't the turnout that there had been in 2016 but what you'll see is a lot of these swing districts where uh, Democrats ran two things are going to happen one they ran on this platform of oh we're really moderate we're going to be um, above politics, but what people have seen is they voted all voted for impeachment. Um, they all voted for radical ideas. You know, they want mm-hmm. you can't. They won't even give babies who are already born protection because they're so radically pro death in terms of um, abortion. And so people have seen that they're not really moderate. They're very radical. And so what you'll have is I think that with the Trump turnout in 2020, the the passion and the energy. I think you'll see a lot of these moderate, supposed moderate Democrats who really very liberal get swept out of office because the people will go, wait a minute, you fooled us once, but we're not going to be fooled again. Yeah, I think I think that's a very, very, I mean, excellent point. And I think the other point, I think that we have a, a good chance of retaking Congress is the fact that, like I said in my monologue, they will be screwing uh, Mr. Bernie Sanders and a lot, a lot of those millennials, a lot of those Bernie supporters that are Democrats will be staying home. And I, I think that's going to be a huge factor because, you know, Creepy Joe, as I call him, um, definitely will not have that support that yeah, if, normally if would Joe go Biden to the Democrats. You're right that, that a lot of the Bernie bros will be uh, staying home because – They'll be frustrated because, and rightly so, they'll they'll be frustrated because they'll feel like the Democratic establishment stole it from Bernie again. And uh, right. I think 
that's I mean, so one of two things happens: either Bernie wins, and then the American people go, "No, nah, I don't think we're ready for a communist exactly. who praises Fidel Castro," <laughs> or Bernie uh, or uh, Biden wins, and then people go, "Okay, so we've got a guy who." It's sad. I mean, the guy can't even tell his wife from his sister. He, he's not <laughs> sure who he's talking to when he's on rate on interviews. He called Chris Wallace the other day. He called him Chuck. Uh, <laughs> he just he's confused. And the, I think that people have to ask themselves: Do they want this guy as as the leader of the free world? And what a contrast compared to President Trump, who's strong, who's energetic, who is just all over the place, working hard, making a difference and just has such energy and passion compared to Joe Biden. I think in the debates, if let's, let's say it's Trump versus Biden, I think what Trump's going to have to do is wake up Joe Biden to make sure he's, he knows where he's at and then, then debate him and destroy him. That is, that is such a good way of looking at it, yes. Um, Health care, Gavin. Uh, yeah. You know, we, ha- we had Obamacare. Which uh, for eight years, I mean, I mean, it, it became a total failure. It was called the Affordable Act, but I would call it the Unaffordable Act. Um, Absolutely. How, where do you see? How would you shape and be part of of a new healthcare reform, a true healthcare reform that would be initiated uh, under your watch and, and under the uh, the new uh, Republicans taking over? The, the house well the key to healthcare is to allow the mar- um, market-based reforms and then also to put consumers in charge right now dc is in charge of of health care too far too much and what we need is consumers to be in charge of it, um, citizens and patients and deciding with their doctor and one-third right now one-third of health care costs is administrative so the reason it's so expensive is because you have Massive, you know, regulations. Massive. Just picture mountains of paperwork and one bureaucrat um, trying to sort through all that paperwork, figuring it out. That process, you have more, more bureaucrats, more paper pushers than you have doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals. And what we need to do is cut a lot of that regulation so that we can make it more affordable. The actual care itself, and then reform, push like with Medicare and Medicaid. With Medicaid, we need to do push some of that back to the states so that they can come up with more efficient ways to do this. Like last in 2018, we had so much fraud and abuse that the, between Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, we gave a billion dollars, one billion dollars to dead people, and it wasn't a death benefit. It was people that that we thought were still alive in the federal government. The federal government thought was still alive, and they were getting a paycheck. Now, you'd think that they would be sophisticated enough to just check death certificates against payments they were sending out, but there's, it's so big and complicated that no one can figure out what's going on, so there's so much fraud in it. And, I mean, I could figure out a lot of things I'm sure you could to do with a billion right. dollars that doesn't involve <laughs> giving it to dead people. Definitely, definitely. That's, uh, it's, so it's, health you, savings you, accounts, tax, tax um, credits, uh, process for where consumers are able to make health choices. And if we put consumers in charge of their health care and take out a lot of the regulation, we lower the cost and, and put consumers in charge of their health care decisions. Hmm. Well, I, I, I think that's, uh, 
the HSA, I love HSAs. They're totally, they're, they're totally great. The fact that some of them also you can reinvest some of that money that you don't use. Um, it's, it's a great system. But I, I exactly. think the, the, it incentivizes yeah, think, saving. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, we, the I problem think we with healthcare it. right now is no one knows how much something costs. You go into a doctor's office, the doctor doesn't know, the patient doesn't know, the insurance company doesn't know. It's a convoluted process that, that is so complicated that nobody knows, and so it's hard to hold companies accountable for how much a healthcare product costs because no one knows how much it costs. That's right. How about where where do you stand in regards to medical marijuana and uh, medical marijuana, 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 excuse me. I'm in favor of um, legalizing it. I think it's, I've evolved on this issue. I used to, to be against the legalization of it, but I think we've hit a point where, and I've read some studies that in in many cases, medical marijuana can actually reduce opioid dependency. And so um, I do think there should be some, some restrictions on making sure that um, it, it's, you, you have to have some common sense approaches to it, but just generally speaking, I think it's probably we've reached a point where legalization makes sense. I, I think so too. Uh, I, I think uh, from individuals that I know that have used uh, medical and and it helped has helped them with uh, either their back problems or leg problems or sleeping, um, any of those issues. Um, I'm still I'm still opposed to the recreational aspect of it, but the medical yeah. I think it's it, it's definitely. Uh, Something and I think I think President Trump uh, on, in the second term I think he with a with a house that you're going to be part of it uh, I think he, uh, he will get it passed because in the Senate you know we'll, we'll still have I, I'm very confident we'll we'll still have the majority in the Senate uh, we just need to have a majority in in, in the House so yeah, we can absolutely. send so we can send. Uh, I call her Nancy P. Brain Pelosi back to <laughs> San Francisco. You know, it's definitely uh, fair trade. Fair trade. Um, you know, everyone is complaining. Oh my God, these terrorists! These terrorists are basically hurting the American people. Um, no, I think it's basically telling the the, the rest of the world. You know, we're, we need to have fair trade here. We haven't had it. You guys have been taking advantage of us. What's your take on it? Well, I like your term fair trade versus free trade. And I think for far too long we've just had simply free trade, but we haven't had fair trade. And China manipulates the system and other countries have taken advantage Mm -hmm. of us. And so I think the president's short-term strategy of tariffs on China is a negotiation tool that he's using very effectively to, to get China to stop uh, manipulating the process and play by the rules on some level. And so I think as a, over the long term, um, trade agreements can be helpful as long as they protect American workers and, mm-hmm. and don't let other countries take advantage of them. So I think USMCA was obviously a great um, yes. new yes. approach to, to the process. And one after another, um, he's bringing countries to the table and basically saying, hey, if you want to 
work with the largest um, economy in the world, then you're going to have to play ball. And the United States is the least involved overseas of any major economy, yet China is wholly dependent on exports. So 70 80% of China's economy is based on exports, Mm -hmm. whereas the U.S. only about 10% is. So the U.S., even though that 10% is a large, obviously, number, as a percentage, it's not that high. And so basically the U.S. is able to – is in the driver's seat. And I'm glad we have a president who's telling China, hey, we're not going to take it anymore. Right, right. Uh, I would say that that China and the rest of the world has set – we cannot – mess around with President Trump. We, we got to do what, whatever he says. And, and Mexico has gotten in line in the rest of the world. Um, immigration. The negotiator in chief. Yes. <laughs> immigration. Um, I think what President Trump has done with uh, pouring more money into the, bo- into the border patrol, uh, the border, the, the wall, I think we're going in the right direction. Is there anything else that you think would be helpful. Well, I agree. Now, um, border security and building a wall is not just about immigration. It's about national security. And we have a right as a country to control who comes in. And we need to have strong borders for national security and also to reduce illegal immigration. We also, I think, have to look at um, legal immiga- immigration and not um, eliminate it entirely, but we have to look at making sure we have a sustainable immigration process because what's great about America is that people come here and become American citizens and they understand what make our, made our country great. But if we have such an influx too quickly, then you create enclaves where you don't have assimilation that occurs. And my sister's uh, Indian. She was uh, born in Malaysia and is uh-huh. of Indian ethnicity. She became an American citizen but she became an American and she is understands what makes our country great. And so that's what I think needs to happen. And uh, it drives me crazy to see people live under the umbrella, the protection that this nation provides, the protection and prosperity, and then hate the very country that's providing those things. And so I think it's pretty simple. If you want to come to our country, you got to love it. You got to um, yep. understand what made it a great nation, the foundations of our freedom and, you can worship however you want, and you can wear you know, the clothing you want. You can have certain cultural beliefs, but you can't believe that, for instance, free speech um, should be crushed or women shouldn't be able to drive or um, that there, there's certain things that are just incompatible with American way of life. And so I think it's important that we maintain those American values that have kept our country strong and great. No, definitely. I, I, I totally agree that, you know, you have to assimilate to this, the American culture. You know, if we go anywhere else in the world and you've traveled, you've been out uh, to different parts of, of the world, I have to. Yeah, 40 you go countries. There, you ha- yeah. Right. You have to learn their language. You go to France, they're not going to basically say, well, Speak English, you know. No, you have to learn French. You go to a, a Spanish country, or you go to Russia. You got to speak their language, so you have to assimilate to the to the to the culture because you're in their country, and and that's the part that I have a problem. Uh, and not just with the language, I have with also the culture part. You know, if 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 you go to the Middle East, 
they're not going to put or uh, set up uh, and have a church for you or a synagogue, you know, but we're here. We basically provide that. And it, it, it has to come down to, all right, you want to play? Let's play fair here. Or uh, you tolerate us, exactly. we tolerate you. Yeah. You can have diversity when it comes to um, what someone's wearing, the, their religious um, beliefs, their the food choices. So yeah. Yeah. I love lots of different cultural cuisines, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But you can't have diversity when it comes to fundamental beliefs about a nation. So if, if one um, culture believes that it's okay to kill their neighbor and another culture believes it's okay to love your neighbor, that's a fundamentally different belief that you can't have diversity of that belief. And so I think that's important for people to understand diversity in some areas is okay, but when it comes to basic foundational beliefs of our nation, free speech, freedom of religion, um, free, freedom of worship, the right to keep and bear arms, the right to life, those fundamental American values that are talked about in the Declaration of Independence and then um, in the Bill of Rights, those you have to believe if you want to be in this country. Exactly, exactly. Um, This current situation, some have have called it media hysteria with coronavirus. Do you think at this point we are ready to handle a major pandemic? I think that we've taken necessary precautions, and Mm -hmm. that's good. But I also think there has been a little bit of media hysteria. And I think, unfortunately, that it's, it's somewhat politically motivated, unfortunately. And the, um, Congressman Crenshaw did a funny uh, tweet about how Democrats claim that they weren't um, – that President Trump didn't want enough money for the coronavirus. So instead of doing something about it, they then went, uh, went into banning flavored tobacco, um, which <laughs> it's like – was completely uh, an unnecessary and random distraction in a supposed crisis. But, I mean, I think we should take it very seriously. As a county, we've been briefed on the measures that have been implemented at the local level. But at the same time, we also have to realize that every year thousands of people die from the flu. So, Well, I think think the president has actually – done a lot more than he's been given credit, which is not unusual by the fake media, because he was one of the ones that initially said, we're not going to allow flights from China. Uh, I mean, we're not going to allow, I mean, we're going we're gonna, to, anyone coming from China, we're going to quarantine who's a, a foreign foreigner. And someone, or if you're an American, you're going to be quarantined for 14 days. They took steps that basically other countries did not take. Look at Italy. Italy is going through a lot of issues with the coronavirus and other parts of, of the world, too, Iran. Um, so I think President Trump actually has done a lot more. And another, another fake news uh, material that came out is like that he had cut the funding for CDC, uh, which, on the contrary, it was actually the Democrats who actually had cut it. So it's it's definitely trying to get the truth out there about what the president has done is such a fight on a daily basis. Oh yeah, it's it's ridiculous the lies out there and, and just the misinformation that that occurs. Mm-hmm. But 
the good news is with modern technology, he can communicate directly with the people in a way that makes the media mad. Um, Definitely. Uh, in regards to your Democratic candidate, uh, whoever that is, I think there's two of them that are running, right? Um, wh- when is their primary? I mean, wh- when is that happening? When are they going? When are you going to know who who's going to be the challenger on the Democratic Party? That'll be in August. Also, in August, um, August 18th will be the Republican primary and the Democratic primary. And whoever emerges okay. from that will be then it'll be one on one mano a mano um okay. of the Democrat versus the Republican nominee. Who that's when it'll get real the, fun. Yeah, who seems to be the the leading candidate on the Democratic Party for Clay County? Honestly, I haven't really looked into the the candidate. I know that there's a, a few running, but um, whoever it is, I'm sure they're going to be a crazy liberal. So I'll we'll cross <laughs> that bridge when we get here. But I'm focused on making sure we have a solid conservative fighter in D.C. who's going to support our president and fight alongside of our president. And and that's, I think, key, because everyone in the race is going to claim, oh, I'm, I support our president. But what does that mean? Are you going to be a fighter? And that's the key. I think he, he's a fighter, but right now he's in some cases fighting alone and he needs those reinforcements. And I talked about this on Fox and Friends uh, last last Sunday. He needs people fighting alongside of him in Congress. He needs that rein- those reinforcements because he's fighting against socialism and against big government and against the liberal craziness. But he's got to have reinforcements. We got to build a team. Oh no, definitely, definitely. That's uh, without a doubt. We have to retake Congress. Otherwise, um, we're we're, we're going to he's going to struggle for the next four years. And so that's the um, last thing that I want to cover with you, um, Gavin, is the veterans. I mean, you're a veteran um, uh, in regards to the VA. How, how do you how do you assess um, what President Trump has done with the VA compared to Barack Obama and, and the previous administrations? Well, he's done a lot of good things. The challenge is it's such a large organization. It's like turning an aircraft carrier around. It takes some time. But he, he's done a lot of great things, and I think we need to continue to allow flexibility so that a veteran can have their, okay. um, the flexibility, in it, whether it's a voucher system, that type of thing. And we've already we've seen this work really well so, and, and continue to make some reforms. I'd also think that there's some need for dental care um, for veterans, which is uh, – because dental care is, is very much connected in with a lot of the others, and that's what I'm hearing from a lot of the veterans groups is that dental care is a big challenge that they're facing. Fantastic. Well, Gavin, Gavin, it's been a pleasure having you, and and um, we'll stay in touch. And August 18th, Absolutely. anyone in Clay County, please go out there and vote for this future superstar, Gavin Rollins. Absolutely. All you right. can at- you can follow me on Facebook or GavinRollins.com, and I'm. Are you going to post that in the show notes, or? I, 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 we will. Yeah, awesome. we will. Well, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it, and keep fighting the good fight. All right, Gavin. Good night. I was Gavin Rollins. So I was running for Congress in the third district of Clay County in the in the great state of Florida, the Sunshine State. So, um, Mark, you're on the line. How are you? I am fine. How are you? 
All right. What's going on? Um, I just had uh, Gavin Rollins um, on the uh, on the show, and we are going on the second hour. Um, how you been? 